Hi, everybody. So I want you all to mark your calendars. We have a very exciting movie night coming up, a family movie night here at Cornerstone Church. It will be on October 25th. It's a Friday evening. It's going to be um, wonderful. It's mission-focused. So the movie is called Faith Like Potatoes. And it's a true story about a family that was on mission in Africa. And um, it's, it's just a wonderful family movie. We'll have uh, a free pizza for um, you to come at 5.30 so you don't have to worry about cooking dinner. You can come and grab a slice of pizza and uh, I'll make popcorn and um, we'll get to watch this movie together. So I hope that you can come October 25th. Um, next announcement, October is Pastor Appreciation Month. And it's a month that the church is all over um, take to honor and thank our pastors for all that they do for us all year long and for being faithful to bring God's word and God's light into our lives. And so um, I want to encourage all of you to take the time, if you haven't had a chance to do it yet, to write a little note. Um, and if you can, give a little uh, monetary donation to help. We want to uh, get a, a gift for Pastor Chad, Pastor Andrew, and Pastor Ken. Um, just to honor them this month and say thank you. There's a, a table out there where you can um, write a little note or put a card um, or some money in a box out there. Um, and at this time, I would like to invite all of the kids to come up as we get ready to uh, send them off to Sunday school. And while the kids are coming, I just wanted to mention about the alabaster boxes. Um, those are the little boxes that a lot of you picked up. So we're counting the money this week on Thursday. So if you still have the alabaster box and you want to try to get it turned in either in the back or you know, to a staff person or to the office before Thursday, that would be great. Um, let's extend our hands and pray for all of these beautiful children. Please join me. Father in heaven, we thank you for the kids. We just love them so much, God, and we know that you love them. And you created each one of them special with great purpose for the furthering of your kingdom. And so, God, I pray right now that you would bless them and that you would pour out that spirit on them, that you would be with the teachers as they spend time with them this morning, Lord, that they would um, just have your love flowing through them to the children and the children be learning more about you and grow in their love and grow in faith. And we thank you in Jesus name. Um, one last announcement. If you are 12 to 17 years old, um, you are part of the youth and there is a youth uh, service for you. Um, if you go out and meet in the welcome area, anybody from 12 to 17 years old, um, now's the time to go out and meet with Pastor Andrew. Amen. Thank you, Paula. Bless you guys. Good morning, everybody. How's it going? <clears throat> My name is Chad, and I'm one of the pastors here. It's just a joy to have you join us and, and get everything set up here. And just had a chance to be in Kansas, Kansas City, and it was just a beautiful time. 
with the Lord and had a, had a privilege to share at my, my former college all week with uh, just the, the student body of Mid-American Nazarene University's campus. And just a really, really sweet time. Thank you for those of you who prayed. Um, battled the cold all week, so I'm, I'm like, we're doing good. Jade was supposed to be leading worship this morning, texted the whole team at like 6.30 in the morning. She's like, I woke up and I can't talk. My voice is gone. So how many know someone who's got gunk or junk? Raise your hand. <clears throat> okay. How many have gunk or junk? Stay away. Amen. Um, <laughs> I, I already have it. So, yeah. Um, so, so that was a little bit of a bummer. But, you know, before I dive into the word, we've already been exalting Jesus. Every song was about him, <laughs> his lordship, the, the cross, his sacrifice. The, you know, I love I just love enthroning Jesus at the hopes that he'll draw people to himself. Um, that's my logic kind of for my life. I try to live and think that way uh, and minister that way. But, you know, just being home, I, I have a very large family um, in, in both ways, large and large, um, big family. Uh, thank you for those of you who got that joke. But, you know, since I've lived in California almost 13 years, we haven't and now that we have four rugrats, we haven't gone home as much over these last few years. And so being home for a whole week, I just, I found out about relatives that had heart procedures. I found out about relatives who had bat battled cancer. And I'm not just saying this to like make everyone heavy and sad and grumpy and, and regretting they came to church, but um, I was just overwhelmed by the sense of, oh my goodness, everyone goes through it. Can I get an amen? Like, I have no clue what battle you went through this week to be here. So what I wanted to do as, as, a, as you know, whether you view me as just as a speaker or your pastor or anywhere in between or just a friend, can I just say, like, God sees you. He's with you in the mess and in the chaos and in the difficulty and, the, like, and part of why we come on Sundays is to remind ourselves, like Elijah, the great prophet, it's never just us. We're never alone. Amen, right? The Elijah complex is, God, I'm the only one who's ever fought a woman. And God's like, dude, there's 7,000 other people who've not bowed their knee. And so if you just need an extra touch of, of God's grace today, we always need his grace, whether you think you do or not, and his mercy, but... Just, I just wanted to just, as a brother and just a, a, an under-shepherd of Jesus, to just acknowledge if you are going through that and you feel alone, make it known. That doesn't mean we just walk around and you don't have to bring people into your mess if you don't want to, but man, life is just, well, that's what I found out, just reminded in Kansas again. It's just too stinking hard to go it alone. Way too hard. And you don't have to go alone. And I believe, and you can test me in 30 years or 40 or whatever, if you're still around, <laughs> the days where Christian community is a luxury or an option or something I dabble in will be gone. We're actually going to need each other eventually. I'm telling you, in America, in, in the West, like, 
Christian community, it's not going to be gathered around personalities or superstars or super smart people. It's going to be a bunch of sons and daughters gathered in the throne room of God, like receiving grace and mercy so they can conquer and they can overcome adversity and difficulty. By the way, we can anticipate that day now. We can. We can anticipate that day now. And, and so many of you are so stinking faithful, so you already are anticipating. Just so, so if that's you, if you're like, man, I could use some extra grace, some extra. <clears throat> can you just raise your hand just at us? Okay, keep them up unless you have bad shoulders. It's okay. Some do have bad shoulders, actually, in the church I know about. So just for 30 seconds, if you're by someone that has a hand raised, can you just go to them and just, if you, if you ask, just say, can I just lightly put my hand on your shoulder? And just as the body of Jesus, can we just administer God's goodness and grace to each other? So again, raise your hands nice and high because no one, we don't want anyone alone. Gene, there's a guy right in front of you, and Scott's right here. Michael's over here. Let's just, Lance, like, if we just, so, so we just want to pray for each other. Yeah. Thank you, God. We just acknowledge everyone's on a journey. Everyone's going through stuff. And we don't gather here for a man or a woman or for a, anything other than to encounter the goodness and grace of Jesus. So, Lord, I pray where there's those who are suffering who are just in a battle, I pray your grace upon them. I pray your peace upon them, your blessing, your healing. Families that are just exhausted or just already beat up from fall schedule. Lord, would your grace be released? Singles, marrieds, it doesn't matter, young and old, Lord, your grace knows how to find us and it knows how to fill us. So just touch our body today. And you know what my tiny little wish is? Is that more and more in the days and weeks ahead, that little exchange that just happened would be the number one thing you would begin to look forward to and why you come to church on Sunday. Like, I can't wait. I can't wait to go and worship with people, looking to Jesus, and then how God might want to use my little yes to administer his healing love and grace to those around me. Guys, what would happen to our church and the church if that was the posture we came in through these doors? Oh, and by the way, and then the posture we left with out of these doors. I'm not my own. I belong to him. His spirit is in me. The grace I've received is the grace I can give. 
friends, what if? What if? There's something about wanting to cut through all of the games and red tape. And guys, I just want you to know, I long for the day. It was so funny. I had this big vision, I thought, when I was in mid-America. My old college church that I grew up in for 23 years seats 4,000 people. It is gargantuan. And, you know, there's the student body is 800 or 1,200 or something. I don't remember. But in my brain, I was like, man, I just want to pull these kiddos up. They're so under-impressed by any person who's trying to be impressive. So that was both liberating and like, okay. Like, think about a culture and young ones who are so overstimulated, we can't, we can't stimulate them into the kingdom. Because they're just, I, I can get it on my phone. <laughs> But what you can't find on a phone or in a chat room is like a community who has dethroned themselves, has Jesus at the center, and we just are wanting to, we just want to administer his kindness and his love to each other. So in my brain, I was like, man, Brady, Dr. Brady's my good friend, he's the chaplain at the university. Can I like call him forward and during the talk, can they like, can we just all kind of sit in the front? Don't worry, you don't have to. Don't, don't. I had this in my mind, like I just, I want, like the easily, I think to the tune of 90 plus times, like sort of the number one description of the church is family, which that's in two weeks, but I'm getting to it. Like brother and sister. Did you know that in Christ we're brothers and sisters? And there's just something that God is awakening in my heart and just really breathing life on where you come through these doors, that's how we operate. It's not a business. It's not CEO. It's not top down. It's there is one center. There's one chair at that center and it's already occupied by Jesus. And the elders are supposed to lead the charge and throwing their crowns down before him so that the generation that's arising knows how to act. Not with pride and self-sufficiency and arrogance, but with lavished worship to the one who is worthy. Do I have any elders in the house that would say, you know what, I wanna lead the charge on crown, crown casting at the feet of Jesus. <laughs> it's not my titles, it's not my intellect, it's not all of the, the accolades that I have or my, all of those God gives us, praise his name, amen. But I just want you to know we're entering days, yea, we are in them, when that is going to become increasingly more clear. It's always been about him anyway. We just are really good at shifting the story and the narrative, and somehow Jesus himself in, in Revelation 3 can find himself on the outside of the church. Should we just read it so you don't think I'm weird? Okay. You can still think I'm weird. I don't really care. Thanks. That's family. You're my brother, dude. I've known Sven for like 12 or 13 years. He's a brother, man. 
Got to marry he and his wife. Beautiful people. I love you guys. Oh, my goodness. Congrats, man. I... And some of this may be repulsive to some people because they... Yeah. Thus is family. If you have your Bible, um, it's Revelation 3. Revelation 3, 14. Say amen when you're there. Someone's going to say amen in like 25 minutes. It's like, where is the book of Revelation? It's the last one in your Bible. To the church in Laodicea write, these are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So, because you are neither hot nor cold. I'm about to spit you out of the ma- my mouth. Does that confront anyone else besides me in the room? <laughs> in your Bible, these words read, <laughs> that means Jesus is saying this. <laughs> e, okay. I just wish you'd make up your mind, either hot or cold. There's all kinds of cultural background, the stream that this city drew from. It was like 10 miles from here, five miles from there. So by the time it got to them through the aqueducts, it was neither cold and refreshing or hot and steamy. It was just lukewarm, right? So there's all kinds of context here. You say, who says? Who, you say, who says? You say. So this is the church's opinion about themselves. Jesus is like, here's what you say about yourself. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth, and I don't need a thing. Has anyone ever thought they were like a slice of cheese and a slice of bread at the same time? They were something hot. No honest people in church today. Okay, praise God. Pride. Sufficient. I'm good. I'm good. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blinded, naked. And in the margin of my Bible, it says, ouch. <laughs> you say you're, you're like wealthy, like you're good. You've got all of your ducks in a row. Even your, your retirement, you're dialed in. I'm good. I have need for nothing. I'm perfect. And then Jesus is like, but let me tell you my perspective. How many know we are 
experts at self-deception. Turn to your neighbor like he's talking about you, Jack. <laughs> it's so funny because the Bible says, like, at one point, the Apostle Paul, the great missionary church planter, uh, in his letter to the Corinthians, he's like, I don't even judge myself because I don't trust the judgment of myself over myself. Amen? Like, we can deceive ourselves that we're further along or that we're more faithful or whatever. And Jesus is like, you say, but let me tell you what I see. You say, I see. Amen. You're wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Now, is Jesus being a grumpy head meanie? And then he says this, I counsel, verse 18 of Revelation 3, I counsel you to buy for me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can actually see. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Friends, riddle me this. Is Jesus writing this to the world? Is the world lost apart from Jesus? Is the world broken and irreparable apart from his grace and mercy and love? So how can the people who bear his name receive this indictment? One tiny baby little thing called Lack of discipleship. One tiny little thing. This is to a church who is blind, battered, broken, naked. They think they're further along, but yet somehow along the way, they thought it was about a confession instead of a lifestyle wrapped around that confession called the Lordship of Jesus. One tiny, itty-bitty thing. Because this is not to the world. Because like, the world would not find, like, like, if my church has not taken seriously that I literally want to inform and fill and fashion every crack and crevice and quagmire of their life to look like me, if we don't take that serious, if we're not careful as a church, and, and, and so the, like say yes to not just a nod to Jesus, but a uh, Lord, I surrender. I want it. I want to. I want to be formed. This is written to a church. Whoa, you. But here's the beautiful thing. Inasmuch as He releases His heart and His truth about our true indictment, that we can be in the church, we can serve and function, and still kind of live like we want, and like live under this illusion of self-sufficiency. And well, I've been there, done that. I've been here for. I've just, but yet we've not continued the journey of saying yes to Jesus and His Lordship in the everyday stuff of life, which is called discipleship. Right, the, the gap between what I say I believe and how I live. <laughs> We can find ourselves in this camp and category. You say you don't need a thing, but I want you to know, beloved, the number one thing that derails the journey of being formed into the likeness of Jesus, discipleship, 
is self-sufficiency. Another word, if that word doesn't make sense to you, pride and presumption. I don't need a thing. I'm good. I already took that class. I already dotted that I and crossed that T. And the Lord's like, can we have a talk? How many know you can try to ignore that talk, but when he draws close, it's time to turn our ear to his voice and say, whatever you got to say, I want it because your words are the words of life. My theory about myself or about my opinion about my my journey or how I'm doing apart from you or in spite of you or just on my own. Lord, I need your truth. That's why we sang this song. I need you to speak what is true to my heart because it's only when your truth meets my true condition is there transformation. And discipleship, this lifelong experiment and journey of being Submitted to the teacher. Did you know the Bible says in uh, Matthew 23, 8 through 12, that there's only one teacher, capital T. His name is Jesus. Amen. There's only one, and then it goes on to say there's only one instructor, capital I, the Messiah. And he's inviting all of humanity to join his class and to be formed into his likeness. And the only way you and I can continue to participate in that journey is by allowing Jesus to perpetually have the right and the access to speak truth into our life. We just stay in that humble posture. At some point, this church in Laodicea, they shut off the valve and they became self-righteous and self-sufficient. Has anyone ever shut off the valve? Either intentionally or unintentionally. I just... Stop living out of the awareness of who he is and who I am in him. I, the, the book is dusty. It's been on some shelf. I, gotta, like, I just thought it was about just I prayed a prayer so I can go to heaven someday and I can just kind of live like I want until that day. <laughs> you were summoned to follow and be formed by a king. Because you are a little king and a little queen that gets to participate in this kingdom story. And the last I checked, the little old thing that humanity has always been derailed or struggled with is what to do with that power. Discipleship forms us into fit vessels that even though we're stuffed with the glory of God and the power of the Spirit, we won't use it to our own means and gains and glory, but only for his purposes and glory. So the, the, the lack here in Laodicea is a lack of discipleship. It's that I just thought I could come and sit in the pew and that was good. Instead of ever signing up or saying, yes, you know what? I know I'm, I'm, I, am, I am inclined to deceive myself. I need to just, like I said, my dream is just Indian style. That we would just, that we would just become a community that whenever we're together, this is open, this is open, this is open. Come Holy Spirit, shape and form us. We wanna live it. Guys, what if it was that simple? That little baby recipe. This is open, our eyes are up, our hearts, no games, masquerades, because he sees it anyway. We give the spirit a chance to speak in, through the word and through his body and through our friends. I'm just trying to paint a picture for the future. I want to walk in that. I want to live, lean into that. I know I'm not alone. There's people in this room that are craving that, craving it. I'm convinced there's a world out there that's craving it. They just don't know what to call it. 
All right, whatever. Listen. I counsel you. Huh. So even here, remember that, that series we did on the yoke of Jesus? Come to me, all you are weary, burdened, blah, 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 all that good stuff. My, I'm, what, learn from me. Everyone say, learn from me. Learn from me. And I, there's two things about learning from him that we're immediately struck by. His humility and gentleness. So even here, he's pretty heavy. You say you're rich, you self-sufficient, you've stopped the journey of discipleship and just kind of gotten stagnant and stale. All of us have been there. This is not a condemnation message. But even as he speaks the truth, and he's not being mean, he's just saying it. You don't understand. There's nothing good in you apart from me being in you. Like, in, in, in as much as like you can save yourself. Yes, you have gifts and graces. But look, I love verse 18. I counsel you. Isn't that tender? Here's your true condition. Massive lack of discipleship. Here's what, here's what I counsel you to do. Does anyone else see the tenderness and gentleness of God? Like, he's like, your condition and lack of like being formed in my image and likeness. At some point, the, the cart got off the rail, the ball got deflated, whatever your metaphor, for like a lack of going on into maturity with Jesus. However that hits you, the Lord's like, I counsel you. Say that with me. I counsel you. Like, in other words... Whatever you're experiencing in your walk with him, it's not the end. There's one who has a next step for you. So there's hope. There's hope in our self-righteousness and where we get stopped or derailed or distracted. Look, squirrel, right? <laughs> I counsel you to buy from me. Everyone say from me. So those things you're looking to, to provide your security, your safety, your nest, whatever you're looking to apart from him, and then relying upon apart from him, he's like, hey, I want to exchange it. Find those things in me. Receive those things from me. I counsel you. Why? Those whom I love, verse 19, I rebuke and discipline. Listen, I, I was reading, I, I read, I, this is a shameless plug. I've read multiple books by Henry now, and, and I've loved literally everything I've read. That's the truth. I, I somehow, on, in Phoenix, as I was flying home, I knew I had about an hour and 10 minute flight. And I don't remember, I followed a tweet feed, blah, blah, blah. I bought another book, honey. Um, I... <laughs> his little book I read it in one flight an hour called The Spiritual Life I wish the whole church would spend $8 on Kindle and just buy it what he does with discipleship and then the role of discipline so when he says I want to discipline you it's because he wants to disciple us Discipline is in the word disciple. It means he wants to shape and form, not out of a grimace and a growl and a meanie head. He's like, no, 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 no. You don't understand how much you're missing out in my kingdom if you are stuck in the narrative of self-sufficiency, self-righteousness. I discipline you because I want you to be fit to be my disciples. Because I love you. I love you. I love you. 
I'm not just overlooking that little thing of, that you think you're good apart from me. I'm directly confronting and speaking to it because I love you and I want to shape you and I want to form you. Amen. Those whom I love, say that with me. Those whom I love. No, come on. Those whom I love. What would be worse? C.S. Lewis has written about this probably really extensively. Like, the worst thing God could do would be to just give us over to our desire. That's the worst. And then to never bug us. Did you know that if you're feeling a little bit of heat in your spirit, because I know I've felt heat, I always, like the Lord's, oh, he, he loves us, therefore he rebukes and disciplines us Amen. along the journey of discipleship. He does it in a spirit of love and humility and gentleness so that after the sword pierces my soul, he's also the surgeon with the suture and the, you know, the, what is it called, the stitching. So even though he's like, you're wretched, poor, naked, blind, and you're like, gah, he's like, now let's have a talk. Let me heal you. Let me form you. Let me shape you. Let me, let me replace that pride and self-righteousness that you thought like it was a one-and-done transaction instead of a lifelong journey and apprenticeship to me. Oh, he's so good. Gosh, I love, my, I love Jesus. He's just an, he's a rascal. <laughs> If I can call you that, okay. <laughs> but here's what I love. I got to spend time with my grandpa, the one I gave you the quote to, that the further you go on in discipleship and sharing in holiness, the quicker your response and repentance is. That was him. I got to hang out with him multiple times in Kansas. Just lost his wife. So be earnest and repent. Repent. I, I literally cannot reiterate this. Repentance, I, I talk about it all the time. I know, I know, I know, I'm sorry. It's just a little small dynamic that we perpetually are invited to participate in. So if I say it a lot, it's because it's a big part of my life and our life, if we're honest and in Christ. Because yeah. repentance is that invitation of God to look again and think again and then live in light of what you see in him and what he's saying. To look again, to think again, to respond to who he is and what he's saying. So when Jesus comes and he's like, let's have a talk, I counsel you. Lack of discipleship. You didn't realize I called you into a dance. And not like the awkward high school, like where like boys are on one side, girls on the other, and you're just like... <laughs> I could, okay, I'm not going to do it. You know, <laughs> honey, come up. I'm just kidding. <laughs> to a dance. So when the king, the bridegroom comes to his bride, us, the church, and he's all, I just want to dance, but you got to respond to my lead. Yeah. So, so I love this. So be earnest. Like lean in when he speaks, when he confronts, when he convicts, when, when you realize, oh, what I see in me is not what I see in him. And the only way to see what's in him is you got to get in this. <laughs> and so we're earnest and we repent. We respond to his rebuke. We let our thoughts that 
orbit around us, that we're being trained to think out of who we are in Christ. This, that, did you know the Bible literally says to be made new in the attitude of our minds? Like at the operating system level of our, you know, who just got iOS 13 update? Okay, anyway, sorry, I lost the whole crowd there. <laughs> Little Android people. Yeah, okay. Know your audience. Okay. Um, <laughs> shoot. <laughs> like, that's what, listen, I'm not being cheesy. Like, iOS, there's only been 13 since the iPhone's inception. But if you and I walk on the journey of discipleship in a spirit of repentance, we can get updates all the time. <laughs> oh, that's what you think? Oh, I want to think that. Oh, pride snuck in? Whoa! I humble myself because there's only one throne at the center and it's already occupied and it's about him. But the closer I get to him in humility and surrender, the more I find life is worth living. Oh, this is preaching now. See, we were teaching, preaching, back to teaching. Okay. Um, oh, that's good stuff right there, man. Oh, like we don't just get iOS 13. We get like, I'm being renewed daily by the Spirit. I'm repentant when he comes near and the master teacher, rabbi, instructor has an agenda and an opinion and he can see me way more than I can see me, but I live my life. I wake up in the morning and I say, speak what is true. Here's my heart, Lord. The song we sang, speak what is true. Speak. Listen, at some point, this church, it got too busy to hear the one who was speaking what is true. That's why they're poor, wretched, naked, blind. But listen, even if that's you, or me today, he's drawing near to us this morning. He's saying, I counsel you, don't stop responding. Keep an open heart and posture because I'm doing it because I want a partner I can dance with. And if you're off dancing to some different tune or different rhythm, it's going to be awkward. It ain't going to work. I want to dance with you. Is anyone having fun, man? This is a good word. I'm liking this word right now. Man. I'm so happy. It's just the word, the people of God, thinking his thoughts, and we're going to respond to it. Sorry, that's, just, I, that's in my heart. Just simple. And in verse 20, the ultimate. I rebuke you. I love you. I discipline you in love. I'm, I'm super gentle and awesome, tender. Be earnest and repent. Get an update, <laughs> right? Software update. How does that look in real time? In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Here's what repentance looks like. God, I confess I was presumptuous on that choice, but you're the one that's the treasure chest of wisdom and knowledge. Next time, Father, I ask that the grace of God would empower me to check in first before I check out and do my own thing. Yes. That was a simple example. That's repentance in real time. I read, oh, what I saw, oh, I'm not condemned, I want an update. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, I want an update. That's real time stuff, man. Real time stuff. And did you know, we're supposed to be a community where the word of Christ is dwelling so richly that 
we don't even have a choice. It's in the airwaves so that when people walk into our homes or our workplace or our friendships or just hang out at coffee, there's an orbit, a sphere, an aroma of the knowledge and goodness of God that people are like, man, you are weird. Why do you think that way? And there's just this, per- this atmosphere that invites people to look to him to rethink and live in light of who he is. That's... That's our inheritance as sons and daughters. This is not some pie-in-the-sky wishful thing. That's what Jesus died to do, to form a community through the grace of discipleship. We don't get on pride or presumption and been there, done that. We stay fresh like students who are on the first day of school. He's my teacher. I can't wait to learn from him. I can't wait to look into his word and respond. Here's the best reason why this is good advice. This isn't even advice, this is God's word, but you, whatever. You know what I mean. Encouragement, that's what it is. Because here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. Want to know why it's so cool to be earnest and repent when Jesus, the teacher, draws near? He confronts our deception, our pride, our arrogance, our self-reliance. We stopped discipleship for some reason. We thought it was a one and done. He's like, no, it's an every day, all day, throughout the day. For all eternity, I want to partner. I want to walk with you. I love you. I want to dance with you throughout life. And I don't want it to be awkward, two left feet. I want to show you how to dance. Best thing Christianity has to offer is there's a God on the other side of the door that says, I want, I want in. There's a God who's like... I want in. I stand at the door and knock. I don't stand at the door and say, open up, you knuckleheads. I, I love it. My wife kind of gave me grief the other day because I'm like, I'm like hearing phantom knocks and phantom cries. I don't know if it's dad training. Like, but I want to apply that to the spirit, to the kingdom. I'd rather live a life that's, oh, false alarm. I thought there was a knock at the door. Then, oh, that's nothing. It's just the neighbors. Anyone ever, like, gone to the door and there was no one there on accident? (laughs) First of all, I'd just rather live with the door open. But should it ever get closed, oh, someone's at the door. Come on, why does the kingdom belong to kids? Because any house you're in, if there's a door knock or a doorbell, they're the first to run because they can't wait to see who it is. Friends, what if we were supposed to live out of that posture? Here's Jesus. I see your true condition. It's a lack of discipleship. You thought it was a one and done. I want to form you every day all along the way. Not just you individual. I want to form people together as you submit to my teaching. And here's Jesus, still gentle, I counsel you. And he's on the outside of his own church. And I want you to know, there's so many YouTubes and prophet people who just harp on the American church, and I've probably talked about the American church and its compromise and its shrinking. And and I'm not denying that some of those things are true in my own life or our church or the church. All I know is this, that Jesus doesn't abandon his church. He 
even when she's compromised, he knocks on the door and he says, I want back in. And if you are surrounded by people that are just grumpy and always talking bad about the church, and this church stinks, it's not like my last one, well, of course it's not because you left and you brought your... <laughs> or I'm with, well, I can't, the pastor preach shorter, well, sorry, okay, go to a different church. Or the music's this, or blah, 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 or the greeter didn't say hi to me, or... As compromised as the church can be, and you and I can be stagnant, stale, and full of pride, Jesus stands outside our door, and he's like, dude, or do that. I want back in. Come on. See, it's never about how committed am I to discipleship and like, to be for, like, ugh. It's how can I respond to the one who's more committed to me and to his world and his people than I could ever comprehend. You have to hear that gospel truth, man. It's not just, oh, I'm going to work. Yeah, I'm going to respond. I'm going to let his grace form me. I'm going to be disciplined. I'm going I'm to set the clock. I'm, yes, but on the other end of the line is one who is way more zealous to form his image in you and me. And he will not abandon us. He may be pushed to the margins because of our sin, arrogance, pride, or presumption, but he's still there on the door saying, dude, if you'll just open it up, I will come in and I'll eat with you. Amen. That's good. That's good. Man. So it's like, well, what does he want to come in and do? Let's have a meal. Guys, this is Jesus. Whatever you think of him, he's like, where's the table at? I'm hungry. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Like, how do I grow as a disciple? Open your door, have a meal. Invite others to the table. Leave a seat for Jesus, because he's important. At the head, probably. What's he saying? How does it form us? What's he confronting? How can I respond in love to his love? And how can we live just out of that posture forever? It's called yes. discipleship. Yes, sir. A small little facet of it. Amen. Can you stand to your feet? Oh, I gotta read the last two verses because he always ends really good. Because <laughs> you're like, oh, there's no hope in this battle. Come on. To the one who is victorious. Man, that's a heavy word. Bull, to the one who's victorious. There's hope, man. He's knocking. He wants in. He wants to disciple us together. He's the teacher, the instructor. And we have a bunch of brothers and sisters. Some of us look like him. Sometime on occasion, some more than others. But how many know he's going to come back for a radiant bride that looks like him? Just, we're going to look like him. We're going to love like him. Until that day, all of it's in play. He wants to fill all of it with his goodness, word, and truth. To the one who's victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Oh, my goodness. Amen. So in other words, you don't have to live in pride and presumption. Let him lift you to sit with him on the throne. Just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne, so he shares his victory. Oh, okay, yeah. 
Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches.